Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. Come on, we're going to get in the Word today. I'm so glad you're here. If it's your first time um, uh, or you're visiting with us, I'd love to meet you just right out, right when you go out the exit here. To the left, there's a little Discover flag, and it's, it's leaning forward. It's bowing before Jesus. No, it's just the wind's kind of pushing it. But go ahead and find it there. I'd love to meet you. Shake your hand. And my wife and I would love to introduce ourselves to you. And if I don't make it out there right away, uh, be patient. I'll be out there, and I'd love to hang out with you and get to know you. Come on, we're going to get right into the Word today, and uh, I did this in the first service, and I'll do it again. I just want to celebrate. He's not here today, but Riley last week gave his life to Jesus Christ. He got his first Bible today, and um, super cool. He got his first Bible, and he was showing me today where he's reading, and he said, well, my, his father, uh, he, he was, something important about his dad, I won't, that's his to tell, not mine, and he put it in his Bible and said, I'm going to start reading on this date because this, in, this thing happened with my father, and I got this, my first Bible ever on this day, so I'm going to start on the 12th and start reading on the 12th. Super cool, and uh, he, you know, praying he's going to get water baptized. We have water baptism on August 30th. We have, um, I don't know, Brandon's getting water baptized. Joel's going to water baptize Brandon, and... Um, Bennett's getting water baptized, and I think Jesse or somebody or Blake or someone's going to water baptize them. So come on. People are finding Christ at Love City Church. Amen. Water baptisms. And I don't know about you, but that's pretty cool happening during COVID. Hello. People finding Christ and being water baptized, making disciples, find, reaching lost people. That's why we're here. So I'm glad you're here today with us. Come on. I, I got a word for you today. And and, uh, and I, I grappled with this word because I really feel like it's pretty, it's pretty important for us to, to hear it today. We've been in a series called The Unstoppable Church. We've been looking at the book of Acts all summer long. We, this is our seventh week looking at the book of Acts and trying to figure out why was the early church so unstoppable? What made them so unstoppable? And if the early church is unstoppable, you're unstoppable because guess what? You're the church. And so we've been looking at these different things, looking at different words. We looked at the word devoted. We looked at the word uh, supernatural. We looked at the word together in homes, together, uh, gathering together. We looked last week at the word satisfied. If you didn't hear that message, go back and listen to that. Satisfied. And this week, our message, our word is bold. Somebody say bold. Bold. Be bold about the bold. Say bold. Bold. As you know, the Holy Spirit came down upon the early church followers. And remember the context of this verse is that it's in a Jewish, in Jerusalem, where the Jews had gathered for Pentecost all over the world. And none of them believed in this Jesus. They believed in Yahweh. They believed in Jehovah. But they did not, they, they, they prophesied that a Messiah would come and, and would restore uh, heaven back to earth, restore Israel. And they believed that one day there would be a Messiah, but they didn't believe it was Jesus. And Jesus walked on the earth and was uh, crucified, a, a criminal's death and was buried in the grave and he rose on the third day and he ascended into the clouds and sat at the right hand of the Father and the Holy Spirit came down upon the people of God, those who believed that Jesus was this Messiah and the Holy Spirit came down upon them, about 120 or so, and God moved powerfully that day and Peter preached a message and 3,000 people gave their lives to Jesus Christ and the church started, this is what we're sitting in today, this started about 2,000 or so years ago by this church experiencing a mighty move of God by the Holy Spirit. So the church started, and we start in Acts chapter 3. Peter and John are going to go to the, the, the temple. And as you know, the temple in those days is a little bit different than our church these days. Uh, it was more of a larger uh, building, and it was, they did sacrifices and did all these things. But I'll still call it the church. But you know there's a little bit of a difference between the, the, the temple and the church. But they were going to church that day about uh, five o- uh, 3 o'clock in the afternoon for a prayer meeting. And as they were walking into the prayer meeting, there was a guy sitting outside who was crippled. And he had been there almost every day for his whole life, been brought to the church door 
doors, which is crazy thought, brought to the church doors, and all these Jewish people who believed in Yahweh just walked by him every day and gave him money. And one day, uh, one day Peter walked up to him, and I'm not sure if God told him to do this or not. He was just being bold. He just said, hey, I don't got any cash today. I'm actually broke because I'm a fisherman, and my business isn't going very well. But hey, I got Jesus. Why don't you get on up, puts his hand out, picks the guy up, and it says in the Bible, instantly this guy's healed. His legs begin to straighten, and he begins to jump around and do a little two-step. He's like, do, 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 do this little dance. And he's like, people are super excited, and he starts to run around, and he grabs Peter and John, and they're jumping up and down, and he runs into the temple in the Solomon's colonnade where they would meet over in the corner of the temple. And all these people begin to rush into the temple, rush into the church to figure out what had happened to this guy. And they see this guy who'd been there his entire life. He was on the, uh, the, the, on the, the, the entrance of the church, had crippled for so many years. They knew exactly who he was. And here he is transformed by God. And Peter quiets the crowd down and says, hey guys, like, why are you so surprised by this? He's like, don't you know that Jesus Christ did all these sort of miracles when he walked on the earth? And now today, don't think that I did this. This is only by the name of Jesus Christ. Only those who hope in the name of Jesus Christ can be restored and healed. And this man experienced a physical healing in his body because, because of and only because of the name of Jesus Christ. And so I, I don't even know what happened. I just put my hand out to pick him up and the guy stood up and he was instantly healed. And that day, guess what? Thousands of people came to Jesus. The church went from 3,000 to multiple thousand all because of this moment with God. But while they're in this temple, these two religious leaders come over and they were super angry and jealous that Peter and, and John were experiencing so much publicity. And so they got really upset and they arrested Peter and John. And they threw Peter and John into jail. And it was evening and so they had to wait till the next day. They took them back into this council room with a big board of, of these religious leaders. And they said, but how did you do this? How did you uh, cause this guy to be healed? And he says, I'm shocked that you don't know who this is. This is Jesus. He, he, he said, you crucified him, remember? Like you were the ones who crucified Jesus. They said, oh, hey, calm down now. We're just trying to figure out what happened. Don't have to accuse me of murdering anybody. Well, no, that's how it happened. You murdered Jesus. He was the Messiah. He was the King of kings and Lord of lords. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. And Peter went down and told them the whole history of all that happened down to the point when Jesus was crucified and he rose on the third day. And it says, you are no longer allowed to use the name of Jesus. I'm going to let you go, but you're not allowed to use his name any longer. You're not allowed to profess the name of Jesus. We thought that this whole thing was over after we murdered the guy and we buried him. And there's a big conspiracy theory that this guy rose from the dead. The National Enquirer and all these different social media outlets picked it up. And now there's this conspiracy theory that this guy actually rose from the dead. When it's not true, something else happened. We don't know. But listen, we're trying to keep the name of Jesus quiet. Keep your mouth shut. Don't talk about Jesus any longer. Peter and John went back to their group, their church, and they gathered and they're waiting. Well, we don't know where they are. I think they got arrested. And they're like, we saw what happened. They pulled you in the jail. Like, this is what happened. They told me not to use the name of Jesus anymore. So things are starting to get real in the church. Right. Things are starting to get real where now people are getting arrested for using the name of Jesus. Now people are being told not to use the name of Jesus. And so they were a little concerned, actually. They gathered together, and so they said, man, let's worship and let's pray. And they begin to pray, and they prayed this prayer out loud in Acts chapter 4. They said, and now, Lord, take notice of the threats they have made and allow us, your servants, to speak your message with all boldness. Reach out your hand to heal and grant that wonders and miracles may be performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. So I just want you to be encouraged today. If you lack boldness and maybe talking about Jesus, so did the early church, and they were pretty close to knowing Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
They had to pray for boldness themselves. And this word boldness is an incredible word. This word boldness means freedom in speaking, unreserved in speech, openly and frankly speaking, without concealment or ambiguity, fearless confidence, cheerful and the free assurance. These, these disciples were praying that God would give them the ability and the freedom to no longer be concealed about the message of Jesus, to no longer keep it quiet, to no longer, hey, are you a Christian? Well, I mean, kind of, yeah, I kind of go to church, whatever, you know. You believe in Jesus? Well, I guess, you know, I don't believe in Jesus. You actually believe he rose from the dead? Well, I guess so, I don't know. I mean, sometimes, I guess, I don't know. No, he said, no, no longer be ambiguous about the message of Jesus. God, give us the freedom to speak boldly about the realities of the kingdom of God in this world today. Give us boldness to speak out loud and to speak clearly because things started getting real. People started getting arrested for using the name of Jesus and the religious and government officials were telling them to be quiet. A couple of chapters later, the church was booming. Church was thriving. And they had a lot of widows in that day, a lot of, lot of uh, women who were uh, under the age of 60 who had children. And so they had a feeding program for these widows. And this is something you should consider in a church. The, the church began to grow, but the Bible says, it says that the, the believers in the church began to get disgruntled. And they began to get disgruntled because their programs weren't running very well. The Jew, the, these women were they're different, uh, different ethnicities of Jewish people. These types and these types were fighting because they felt there was discrimination because these widows were getting more food than these widows. And so there was disgruntled people in the church when the church began to grow. And Peter, or Peter and Paul, or Peter and the disciples said, hey guys, let's get together. Let's appoint, we need to spend, the disciples said, we need to spend our time on ministry of the word and prayer. I, I can't run a food program any longer. So let's bring in seven, uh, men, I'll say men and women, because I think there were women there too, but it says seven men who were full of the spirit and full of wisdom. And let's bring them in and they're going to run this program. And so they brought them in and Stephen was one of those guys. Stephen, I can't wait to meet him when I spend an eternity with Christ in heaven because I got a lot to ask him about. Stephen was a man who was there. He was full of the Holy Spirit and full of wisdom. And he began to, uh, began to uh, oversee this department of the church. And the church grew, grew rapidly. And one day, a Jew walked into the program just to pick a fight with, 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 with Stephen. Started asking him about all sorts of stuff. And so he got into this, this conversation. And Stephen literally stood there and told him the entire history from Abraham. Now, that's a long sermon. From Abraham all the way to Jesus. And he got down to Jesus and said, yes, and you Jews crucified the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. And he went, la, 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 no, 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 no. He stuck his fingers in his ears and said, oh, no, 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 that's not true. Yes, he says, you crucified him and you murdered him, but he came to redeem you and set you free. No, 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 that's not true. And he picked up a rock from the ground and he gathered all the people around him. And he said, this guy's talking blasphemy. And they took a rock and they began to throw it at Stephen. And all these people began to pelt Stephen with massive stones. And as this man stood there as he was serving widows in need, simply declaring that Jesus Christ was crucified, was the Messiah, and rose on the third day. And they began to throw rocks at him. And as they threw rocks at him and he was being pelted with these massive stones, his life was slipping away. He looked up into heaven and he saw the king of glory and he said, take my spirit. And Stephen fell to the ground and died. And a man named Saul stood at the very feet of this dead, persecuted Christian. And it says he approved of the murder of this man because he was standing up for this guy named Jesus. And then we come to Acts chapter 8. The key text here, verse 1, a great wave of persecution began that day. 
sweeping over the church in Jerusalem and all the believers except the apostles were scattered through the regions of Judah and Samaria. Some devout men came and buried Stephen with great mourning, but Saul was going everywhere to destroy the church. He went from house to house, dragging out both men and women to throw them in prison. He went from house to house, dragging men and women out of their beds at night. What are you doing? Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Messiah and rose from the dead? I sure do. Come with me right now. Grab them, both of them, and throw them in jail. Things are getting real, folks. Yeah. People are believing that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, and they're getting arrested, and they're getting accused, and the violent threats are coming out against the church, and someone in their church body, can you imagine a Love City Church, someone being stoned for proclaiming the name of Jesus? Mass persecution happened against the people of God in Jerusalem and they began to scatter abroad all across the region. Things were getting real now and you have to recognize something. This only happened for one reason and one reason alone because they made a personal decision to follow after Jesus. They made a decision that I'm going to live my life, surrender to Jesus Christ and the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and I'm going to believe everything that's written in his word and that he's the risen Messiah and that he's the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and no matter what happens to me, I'm going to be radically transformed by the power of the gospel. And I will proclaim the name of Jesus Christ. We recognize something that every single persecution these guys experienced was simply because of one thing, their personal decision to follow after Jesus. Rejection and pressure from others will either make your relationship with God or break your relationship with God. What's fascinating about this verse is that in these accounts where both of these, the church was persecuted, it did not break them, it made them. They became more bold. They became more free. They became more radical. They became more excited. They became more willing. Look at this in Acts chapter 4, 31. It says, after this prayer, they pray, God, give us boldness. Look what it says. The meeting place was shook and the Holy Spirit filled them. Come on. The meeting place shook. And the Holy Spirit came and filled them with power, with dunamis working power to go boldly and share the scriptures. And look what it says. They preached the word of God with boldness, with freedom, unfettered, not, in, not ambiguous, not concealed. Look what it says in Acts 8.4. It says, but the believers who were scattered preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. Now, this phrase, preach with boldness, it's an interesting word, the word preached. For those of you who don't know, that word preach is the scary word in church called evangelism. Huh? Everyone's like, whoa. He used the E word. Beep. <laughs> Eva, Beep. <laughs> it means evangelism. And this word, actually evangelism, actually has two parts to it. The word evangelism means on one side, it means to proclaim with your mouth, to talk out loud with your mouth. But actually many people don't know this, that the, the, the root word of the word evangelism also on the other side means to live well, to live prosperous, to act rightly. So the word evangelism or the word preached is not just talking about people standing on a street corner with a sign saying, you're going to hell. Evangelism or preaching is not just about what you say, it's about how you live your life. Yeah. 
It's about the power of the message of Jesus Christ transforming you in your finances and your marriage and your thinking and how you talk and how you act and how you walk and how you think and what you do and why you do it. The, the, that's called your life is evangelistic. It says they begin to preach with boldness. They begin to live out their life and they begin to speak with a freedom, unfettered, bold for the very name of Jesus Christ. And it wasn't because their life got any better. These the early church people were very poor. They didn't sign up for Jesus and get rich. They didn't sign up for Jesus and get an upgrade on the car. They didn't sign up for Jesus and get that third lake house. Not that those things are bad. Upgrades on cards and third lake house, hallelujah. Give it to me if you got it. I'll take it if you want to donate it, it's fine. They didn't sign up to serve Jesus because it made their life better. They signed up to serve Jesus because they believed that he was the Yahweh, Messiah, chosen God, that he was Jesus Christ crucified, that he rose from the dead, that he was the Alpha and the, and the Omega, that he's the beginning and the end, that he's the, the, he's the creator of the universe. They didn't serve Jesus because it was a, an addition to their life. They surrendered their life to God because God is real and his name is Jesus. It transformed how they live their life. They weren't just looking for an upgrade to their style of living. They were looking for a transformation of their heart and their soul, which caused them to be boldly living for the kingdom of God. Amen. It wasn't just how they talked. Some people talk, but they don't live it. Some people live it, and they don't talk it. <laughs> And we got to find this medium where evangelism or preaching boldly is us not only talking about Jesus, not like a street corner with a sign, but just sprinkling in the name of Jesus however you can, and also living a life where people say, huh, something's different about your life. Now, it's interesting, you get a look at the Eastern culture. In Eastern culture in that day, before they met Jesus, this Jewish population, they were very racist. They, the Jews would only hang out with Jews and Samaritans with Samaritans and Greeks with Greeks. They would only spend time together. And so if you would see them intermingle, it was a big problem. There was no, no different mixes of races. They, they, they treated women terrible. They did not honor women, did, did, not, did not believe women. Women were as comparable to a dog in the Eastern culture at that time. Men were the most important and the most valuable in the relationship. There was no gender equality. The, there was elitism where the rich people, the people who were high class, uh, were the only ones who could experience an education, did not believe that lower class people could have an education. Didn't believe poor people could, could read, and so they treated them such. We've got this idea of immorality was prevalent where even if you believed in Jehovah or Yahweh, to sleep around was a common thing where a husband could be, divorce his wife for whatever reason and sleep around as much as he wanted. So immorality and the acceptance of certain different lifestyles and different things that they had was a very common reality. And in fact, abortion of young women, young girls was prevalent in that day because of the, the, in that Eastern culture, they valued the male over the female. So if a girl was pregnant with a daughter, they would abort that baby no matter what stage in the process. 
You see, there was polytheism where there was a belief in many gods, and even though they were followers of Yahweh or they believed in Yahweh, they had multiple gods in their lives that they would worship. It was a common practice in the Eastern culture. It was very, very normal to happen in those days, and they believed that it was eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, and you cross me, I'm going to get you back. There was revenge all throughout the Eastern culture where if you step on my toe, I'm stepping on your toe. You hit my car, I'm hitting your car. You hurt me, I'm going to hurt you. I ain't never going to forgive you. That's how forgiveness works. You hurt me, I hurt you. All the culture there was so different so that when these people met Jesus, their lives began to change. And when they walked into the community that Solomon's colonnade and they saw this group of people, they saw multi-ethnics and races in one place together. They saw how this husband was treating this wife as an equal and they had different roles that they played, but they were equal in relationship. And now in, in the third century, the, 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 the amount of uh, fee, girl babies that were born compared to the, the, the unbelieving world was crazy. The church grew by a huge population just because they stopped murdering their children. And they would look at them and say, why aren't you sleeping around? Uh, you can do that, you know. And they'd say, oh, it's because my body is a temple of the Holy Spirit and I'm, I'm created by God and I'm in his image and so I don't do those things any longer. Not that I don't have the desire to do those things, but I just want to honor my God. And, and what do you mean? Like you don't sleep around anymore. What do you mean you're going to stay married to that person? What do you mean you're not going you're not to live that kind of lifestyle? How is that possible? Well, it was because I encountered Jesus and he was crucified and he rose on the third day and he transformed my life. And so I don't live the same way that you do. Not because I think that I'm better than you, but because I want to have a relationship with God and I just find that this type of thing that I'm living doesn't honor him as much as this does and the Bible teaches me about all about these things and so I just read the word and as I read the word it just teaches me how to live this life and your life begins to be evangelistic because before Jesus you live one way after Jesus you lived a totally different way a whole culture changed in their church where they begin to believe in one God and they had no idols and when someone would cross them, they would forgive them. Right. Boss, treat me terrible and you say, oh, it's okay, I forgive you. Persecute me because I'm a Christian. It's okay, I love you. Why are you so nice to me? Why do you keep forgiving me? I try to be terrible to you and persecute you and yet somehow you get joy from this. It's just because I have a relationship with Christ and he died on the cross and as he was being crucified on the cross, he looked at the cross and said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. He was being brutally murdered on the cross so I want to be like Jesus and I want to suffer with Christ as well so I can experience the power of the resurrection. See, evangelism isn't just you having the articulation of the deepest theological doctrines and being able to articulate the nuance of eschatology. The reality of evangelism is that you just got to start letting the Jesus Christ transform your life yes. Come on. and start living it. Start talking it. Yes. I'm not saying you need to go bananas and go crazy and go nuts. I mean, if you God's telling you to do that, by all means, but you know, it's fine. I'm not going to go bananas and nuts with you. <laughs> I'm just telling you to be a follower of Jesus Christ. That's good. That's good. This is what this boldness in their life was there because because they, the message that they gave was, there was only two options. It was either accepted or it was rejected. Someone either accepted Jesus like Riley, raised his hand four times in church, never been to church before, never read a Bible, never ever experienced anything religion, didn't even know who Jesus was. Four weeks ago, raised his hand to give his life to Jesus Christ. So they either accept the message or they persecute. Now listen. You as a follower of Jesus, I need you to hear me today. Please don't check out. I need you to hear what I'm about to say. You as a follower of Jesus need both. Yeah. 
You've got to have people who are accepting the message of Jesus in your life. Because what does it do? It makes you more bold. But you also got to have people persecuting you. This is what caused them to have boldness. Was that they were being persecuted. This is what was causing them to have a passion for God. And my fear is, is that in our church, to, church today, in our lives today, our boldness has gone flat. Our salt has gone bad. And so we find ourselves a bit disconnected from the mission of God. And so we go through the motions and we find ourselves attending the temple. But in reality, if you want to experience a life-giving relationship with God and experience what it, what it feels like to be an unstoppable follower of Jesus Christ, share your faith and get rejected. In fact, Jesus actually teaches on what he says in Matthew chapter 5. Let me tell you why you're here. Sorry, I'm going to read this next one. You're blessed when your commitment to God provokes persecution. The persecution drives you even deeper into God's kingdom. So when you stand up for Christ, and I'm not saying being hateful. I'm not saying being a bigot. I'm not saying being angry. I'm saying being a loving, compassionate ambassador of the love and mercy and unconditional love of Jesus, our creator. When you do that, guess what it does? Whether you're rejected or you're accepted, that's up to God how they respond. But as you are bold for God, guess what? It takes you deeper into God's kingdom and you find yourself passionate for the Lord. You say, Ryan, why am I so dry? And why am I so disconnected? Why do I feel like I'm just in the religious habit? Maybe it's because you haven't been evangelistic with your life. Because when you're evangelistic with your life, people are either accepting you or they're rejecting you. Look what he says. Not only that, count yourselves blessed. Every time people put you down, throw you out or speak lies about you to discredit me. What it means is that the truth is too close for comfort and they're uncomfortable. <laughs> you can be glad when that happens. Give a cheer even. Yeah. For though they don't like it, I do. And all of heaven applauds and know that you are in good company because my prophets and witnesses, they've always gotten themselves into this kind of trouble. There is something about when you begin to share your faith, there in the, 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 the other translation says that great is your reward in heaven. I believe there are people across the arrays of heaven right now looking down upon us who have been persecuted and murdered for their faith, who are down right now looking through the portals of heaven saying, come on, Ryan, come on, Love City Church, come on. You, I'm telling you, the reward is great. I'm on the other side of this thing. And I'm telling you, I begin to be bold for the kingdom of God. And I went deeper into God's kingdom. And my passion and my faith for God began to stir like never before. I wasn't just a dry old Christian. Man, I began, my passion came alive again. Like the first time I met him, like the first time I experienced him in that moment in that service when I gave my life to the Lord and I was just wanted to tell everybody about the kingdom of God. Something happened to me. I fell in love with Jesus again. Why? Because he is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He could never do another thing for my life. He's done everything that I need. He died on a cross. He rose on the third day. And guess what? You and I get to experience an eternity with Jesus Christ forever and live an abundant life right now. And we are the head and not the tail. We are more than conquerors to Christ who gives us strength. Who the Son sets free is free indeed. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. No weapon formed against us shall prosper. 
We get to be followers of Jesus Christ that walks in a room and says, hey, I don't got money and gold, but I got Jesus. Why don't you walk? Boom, they're walking. That is the kind of life that God wants us to live. Here's my concern. Look what it says in this verse. Let me tell you why you're here. You're here to be salt seasoning. Now remember, salt, this isn't table salt. Salt does not add flavor to food. Salt brings out the natural flavors in food. So when you're sharing Jesus, you're pulling out, the, you're not the bad in them, you're, you're a sinner and you're terrible and you're a thief and you're awful. Like, no, no, you're telling out the good, the godness in them. You're a child of God. You're called of God. I'm just breaking down the walls of what you already are. Look what it says. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? That phrase, lose your saltiness, actually means to become dull, sluggish, and insipid, flat. It actually, the Greek phrase actually means to play the fool. Meaning, I'm acting one way, or I'm, I'm living one way, or I'm talking one way, but in reality, it's different. And I want this to really capture your heart today. That if you and I could begin to be bold and ask that we need to pray, Holy Spirit, you come and will you increase our boldness? Lord, maybe you're here today and you've never, never been a, a, an evangelist with your life, meaning your life is transformed by Christ and people are just seeing life change. Maybe you've never been there before. I want you to know it's one of the most, it's one of the funnest things, most fun things I've ever experienced is when someone comes up to you and says, why do you think that way? Why do you act that way? And I'm like, honestly, it's just because of Jesus. I want to end on this verse. I didn't read this in the first service, but I feel like I needed to read it today. For salvation that comes from trusting Christ, which is what we preach, is already within easy reach of each of us. In fact, it's as near as our own hearts and mouths. For if you tell others with your mouth that Jesus Christ is your Lord and believe in your heart, own heart that God has raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For if by believing in his heart that a man becomes right with God, and with his mouth he tells others of his faith, confirming his salvation. For the scripture tells us that no one believes in Christ will ever be disappointed. Jew and Gentile are the same in the respect and they all have the same Lord who generously gives his riches to all those who, who, those who ask for him. Anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. But how shall they ask him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them unless someone sends him? And that is what the scriptures are talking about. They see how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace with God and bring glad tidings of good things. In other words, how welcome are those who come preaching God's good news. But not everyone who hears God's news has welcomed it. For Isaiah the prophet say, Lord, who has believed me when I told them? Yes, faith comes from listening to this good news, the good news about Christ. Now, I want to read that because that last verse, faith comes by hearing the good news of Jesus Christ. I just shared the good news of Jesus Christ. Guess what the result is? Fresh faith in your life to believe that Jesus Christ, by the name of Jesus Christ, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess, evil spirits shall flee bodies shall be made whole minds will be restored we can be radically following after jesus christ because he is so faithful to transform my life Would you stand to your feet today i want to end our time together i want to pray for you would you just close your eyes today i just want to pray i ask every week a question and i'll do that first and then i want to pray for you Hey, if you're in the room today and you say, Ryan, I've, I'm not a follower of Jesus today, but I'd like to be. I'd like to start a journey with Christ. 
and experience this abundant life that you're talking about today. Come on, if you want that today, just put your hand in the air. Come on, you want to accept and have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and you don't. Maybe you don't in your life, and you'd like to. But you just put your hand in the air. We're not going to call you forward. I just want to see who I'm praying for today. Come on. Amen. Father, I just pray for these people today. I pray for everyone in this room, God, as the scripture said, that if you believe in in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you're saved. I pray for boldness for people in this room today, God. Lord, that we would not spread a message of hate or spread a message of condemnation, but we would spread the message of the grace and the love and the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. That we today can come just as we are, with all of our problems, with all of our hang-ups, with all of our issues, with all of our baggage, we can come boldly to you today, God, and say, all right, God, I got a lot of stuff going on in my life, but you still love me. You still have grace for me. You still want to partner with me. Now, Father, we pray for boldness. We pray that we would be able to see signs and wonders, God, in people's lives that have just been transformed by the power and the love of Jesus Christ. We love you, Jesus, with all of our heart today. Jesus name. Amen. Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus.